0: It, it, welcome back, students. It's really good to see you. It was lonely this summer. <laughs> Thank you. It'll be harder to find parking spaces, but it's great to have you back. It's good to see you. Thank you. Hope your semesters go well. How are you? Great. Good. OK. Fine. How many times have you said that already today? How are you? Five? Um, Yeah, it's hard not to go through a day and not ask somebody, How are you? Uh, I at morning blend as people came in, they would ask me, How are you? and I would say fine. Knowing that this was the first sentence of my sermon. I tried not to say, how are you? And it's hard. It's hard to greet somebody without saying, how are you? And some people looked at me like I was rude. Why aren't you asking me how I am? Um, How are you? Sometimes, the answer we get is not fine, okay, great. It's a whine. There's some self-pity. The person will start talking about all that's wrong, all that could go wrong, all that has gone wrong in their life. You know? And it becomes a litany of blame and, and uh, criticism about roommates, about professors, about partners, about children or parents. You know, it, it becomes... Um, yeah, kind of it saps our energy, I, and and I think sometimes um, we don't ask people how they are because we know they're going to answer us, and we just don't want to listen to it. You know, and there are sometimes um, where I know I just I just bore people by by telling them how I actually am. And sometimes we whine to God, you know. Um, Why me? Why me? Why me? This psalm is not a whine. It is a lament. This person really doesn't go through a catalog of what's wrong. There are things wrong in this person's life, but they don't start with that. They start with affirmations about who God is and expectations of God. You are my rock. You are my refuge. You are the one who brought me to life. I trust in you. Deliver me. Save me. Incline your ear to me. There are expectations, and there's a certain confidence of who God is and what God does. Wines focus... On the self they revolve around me you know I talk about myself and my problems and they're kind of free-floating in that sense they don't um, root me or ground me in anything other than myself I kind of stew in my own juice laments focus on God You know, actually, the psalm could be seen as a profession of faith. Who is God? I profess the faith in this God who is a refuge, who is a shelter, who is a blanket, who is a protection. I hope in this God. It's a profession of faith that roots me and grounds me in God. And it's interesting that in this lament, the person talks to God as you you know when we talk to you you is present I can talk about God about God out there somewhere but to say God you says God is present to me and I am present to God there's this directness of speech that's a relationship you know last week I I spent a week as I always do uh, at the Abbey of Gethsemane uh, with the Trappist monks. Um, It's a silent monastery most of the time and often I, I, I read and I pray and I try to sort through issues. This year was a little bit different. I ran into somebody that I had not seen for 30 years. Uh, We entered the conference somewhat together, in ministry together, but she transferred to Tampa and has been in Tampa for 30 years. So we we ran into each other, and breaking the rules, we said, well, it's great to see you. Now, I have to say, I did not recognize her. You know, 30 years people change. She recognized me. I hadn't changed in 30 years. But, you know, she... Why are you here? Well, why are you here? She's on a staff of a large Methodist church in Tampa, and she said, I'm sorting through general conference. I'm trying to figure out my place in the denomination and if I have a place anymore. And I said, that's what I'm doing. That's what I'm doing. And the next two days we would get together in the evening and talk about, what we were thinking about. It was clear to me that I have been whining about general conference and she has been lamenting. She talked clearly about God's presence in her life, where she felt God was leading her, She had a rootedness and a direction that I haven't gotten to yet. Something happens to two people. The same thing happens to two people. And they can whine or they can lament. And how they respond If wine or lament, makes a difference with how they respond to the issue. It might not change the issue at all, but it makes a difference in their life, whether they're rooted or not. Who could say this psalm of lament? Well, Somebody who is having trouble in their life. Someone who's having trouble with a roommate, with a spouse, with a partner. Someone who's having a difficult time on their job with their boss or co-worker or the people they are to supervise. Someone who has just gotten a diagnosis that's very grave. They could say this psalm. 25 years ago I participated in a you know in a seminar that uh, was very intentionally put together by Wright State Medical School. A third of the participants were medical professionals, doctors and nurses. A third of the participants were um, like hospital administrators and a third were um, ministers or, or, or nuns, or rabbis. They were to present us with case studies and we would read them and then come in prepared to discuss them in our group which was three religious types, three medical types and three administrative types. We had one, one, di- one case study of a person who had, who had been through The whole chain of treatments for uh, cancer and it was determined that the person, there was no more treatment. Now what? And one of the doctors said, this is hopeless. This is just a hopeless case and there's nothing that can be done. And one of the religious types said, this isn't hopeless. You don't understand what hope is. Hope is putting yourself in God's hands. Hope is trusting God. Hope is seeing God as a support. And that can happen whether you're sick or not. It's just a belief that you are related to God and grounded in God. The bent over woman in the Luke story could pray this prayer. The text says she was bent over. Now imagine going through life like this. You don't see anything, and people really don't see you. I mean, we need eye contact to be acknowledged as, as human, we need voice contact, and who Who bothers to talk to somebody who walks like this? The text is interesting when it describes her condition. Some texts say she has arthritis. More of the texts say she has an infirmity of spirit, a spirit of weakness, a spirit that is crippled. These would imply that she's carrying life's burdens, and it's life's burdens that make her walk like this. When I entered the ministry, I, I, was interested by, I got interested by the posture of district superintendents. After a di- person had been a superintendent for two years, they started walking like this. When I became a superintendent, I vowed I would not walk like this, that I would walk like this. And I did. But I dealt with it by eating too much. And, you know, so what bowed her over, what bent her over, could be the things I've talked about. It could be religious laws. Uh, Certainly the leader of the synagogue doesn't seem to be a friendly person in this story. As Colleen said in her prayer, it can be the burdens of the world, and we look at the news and we think, my gosh, there's a lot to bend us over, isn't there? What interests me is that she'd been like this for 18 years, and she still Came to synagogue. Why was she still coming? Maybe she was praying Psalm 71 In you I trust, Lord, be my refuge. Save me, rescue me. Maybe she prayed that prayer every Saturday in synagogue. And Jesus shows up that day. Now, she couldn't see him. She couldn't see him. But he saw her. Up to this point, she's just been called a woman. That's all anybody knew about her. She was a woman. But Jesus heals her and calls her a daughter of Abraham. She's somebody. She's counts. She's been seen. She matters. She can stand up now as a person and see the rock and see the refuge and see her deliverance. There's a yes but quality to lamenting. Yes, things are bad, but God is present. There's a Kenyan folk story of, a, of an eagle's, uh, an eagle egg that somehow got mixed in with, in the nest of a, of a chicken, and the hen sat on these eggs until they hatched. And they hatched, and there were all these chicks and an eaglet. And the hen reared all of them as chickens. And the eaglet thought it was a chicken. Its mother was a chicken. Its siblings were chickens. And so the eaglet walked around like this, pecking at the ground. One day, an eagle was flying over the farm and saw this eaglet like this. And it went to a tree and said, hey, what are you doing down there? Why are you looking down at the ground? And the eaglet said, because I'm a chicken, and this is what chickens do. And the eagle said, you're not a chicken. You're an eaglet. No, I'm not. Yes, you are. No, I'm not. Yes, you are. No, I'm not. Yes, you are. And the eagle said, "Okay, just stretch your wings. And it had always had its wings like this. And it went like this. And it went, whoa. And then the eagle said, flap. Flap some more. Flap some more. And it started to fly. And oh Lord, it could see everything. And it realized it wasn't a chicken. It was an eagle. And the woman could stand up straight and see that her burdens didn't have the best of her. For she was a daughter of Abraham. Six or seven years ago, one of the members of this church um, started to drop off in attendance and after a while quit coming. She said she was going through a very dark and confusing period and she couldn't articulate what was going on with her life, so she couldn't say anything to anybody else because she didn't know what to say. She started to come back to church kind of hesitantly and would sit in the middle balcony in the back row, wait in her car until services started, and then sit in the balcony with a hoodie pulled down over her head and would leave after the sermon ended. And she did this for about a three-month period, coming late, leaving early, trying to figure out her life, but not wanting to be seen by anybody. And she said her prayer every Sunday was, I don't know what to do, God, but you do. She said gradually, it started to come together for her. and She took off the hoodie and moved out of the back row and started to come on time. And I said, well, what did, what did you learn from that? And she's here every Sunday now. And she said, I learned that God is active in my life even though I'm not aware of it. And I would tell people to keep knocking, to keep knocking because God is there. And I thought, boy, that's the 21st century story of the bent-over woman. Laments empower us to be honest with God, who can then be forthcoming with us. Laments are not going to change the world, but they can change us. They can change how we see ourselves and how we live in the world. As I was walking out of Morning Blend, um, I heard a couple people talking about the sermon. And one said to the other, you know, I've got to stop whining. And his partner said to him, you do. (laughs) Because, and I loved this, Because you miss the joy. So how are you? How are you? And whose are you? Amen.